<laughs> the three main food groups for Chris. All the alcohol. <laughs> oh, my head. Okay. Welcome to the Chris and Sam podcast. Pull up a bar stool and join us for a random conversation. Guaranteed to make you think or your money back. Hello, welcome to episode 198 of the Chris and Sam podcast. My name is Sam. I'm Chris. Chris is hungover. <laughs> I'm back from holiday. It's been an action-packed week and we've got a lot of stuff to plow through, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of stuff there. There's um, some good stuff. But before we even start, Go. I've, got a, I've got a shout-out for David Farrier. Uh, he's, <laughs> we, uh, oh, I went and saw him with a bunch of uh, other people at uh, Ramp Talks which are put on by WinTech down here. And, uh, yeah, I was talking about the... He had a bit of a presentation on the Dark Tourist and what it took. Do you know, one of the things that got me about that yeah. was, and you were saying it before, Netflix is such a resource we should get into it and all the rest of it. Um, David laid it out pretty simply in terms of the benefit of that is like you're effectively on salary for a year. So he gets funded for the Dark Tourist. All right, so they do the pitch and then they so, say... Yeah, yeah, so he does pitch and, you know, there's negotiation and a whole bunch of other things. And Dark Tourist was actually a backup pitch when he was pitching something else. And they said, eh, well, I, I don't know what the primary one he was doing. I don't think he mentioned. And he goes, oh, have you got something else? Yeah. And he goes... Um, he goes, oh, yep, Dark Tourist. So they really like that. Awesome. Uh, and it, it was somebody else's sort of idea who'd come to him and he asked if he could use it. So so they were involved as well. Um, but anyway, the good thing about Netflix is you don't have to worry about loads of different funding streams and all the rest of it. So when he did Tickled, they had a little bit of money from like the Film Commission. They had a bit of money from Kickstarter. They had a bit of money from this and they had to work so it all most, out. So just like most small production exactly, New Zealand-based exactly. things. But with Dark Tourist, you've just got, right, we're funding you for a year. So uh, I didn't go into details, but it sounded like effectively they got he got a salary for a year and um you know covered expenses up to a certain budget I would imagine and you know so that, that's easy but the downside yeah I guess it's yeah it's, it's a downside is that um there's no back end so once it goes out yeah you yeah. don't get any royalties in that no but more than that because this I that I sort of knew but this I didn't realize they don't give you any stats they don't tell you if it's doing well, if it's doing poorly. No, and I think they that's... Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing, I think. They keep that super secret. Yeah, like, it's yeah. not like, oh, we haven't got around to telling you. It's just like, we will never tell yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that before because, uh, especially the Netflix-created movies and stuff, it's hard for people to realise how well they're doing because Netflix don't have to and won't share that sort of data. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And I think that's the key. They don't have to, and they keep, puts them in a position of power. So David's like, "Well, the only real way I'm going to know if Dark Tourist is a success, social is media, if, no, if they say, oh, do we'll it. do another season, yeah, you know." And he said, and that's a big thing because, and I, I'm now going to have to go and watch all the rest of them. I know you've watched the lot, hey? I have. You've I recommend watched. watching it. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. There's eight, eight episodes, and it was Sam that sort of said, "Hey, come on, you're going to watch this." So I've watched two. Yeah. Um, but he said, look, if you watch six out of the eight, it's a real black mark for them type thing. So he said, if you're ever into a any any series on Netflix and you want it to get to the next season, make sure you watch every single one of them. Because yeah. their uh, attitude is like, well, people only watch six out of the eight. Why would we fund another one? 
you know, they didn't even watch all of your last season. Why would we fund another season? Yeah, so I was talking to you about the <laughs> Netflix series that's just come out called Maniac. And uh, that it says limited, limited edition series or something like that. Limited series. And I had to look up what that meant because I was like, does it mean it's only here for a short time? But basically what it means is they've made that one series and they're not guaranteed they're going to do a second. Yeah. Um, so... And that was a Netflix original as well, wasn't it? Netflix original, yeah. Yeah. And as I said, so if you're listening to this, do check out The Dark Tourist on Netflix all over the world. Um, it's great. It's uh, a, David Ferrier goes out and looks at these um, tourism spots, which probably shouldn't be tourism spots. <laughs> Any spot's a tourism spot if you call it one. Yeah. Hamilton yeah. does that quite well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, do check it out. And it was the first and only, I think, so far, um, Netflix uh, original uh, produced in New Zealand. So it's every- very cool. And David, if you're listening to this and haven't given up on us yet, <laughs> uh, go to the com. go to the front page, scroll down, and listen to the best bee sting story ever. Uh, you'll like that. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. So anyway, moving on. What are we? Uh, how was your trip? My trip was good. I was in Christchurch. I went and saw Les Mis. Have not seen that before. Oh, really? Actually, I've seen it so many times. I love Les Mis. Haven't seen any. I didn't know anything about it. And uh, I was surprised at how many songs I knew from I don't know where. But yeah, they, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the song starts off and I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I've heard this before. Yeah. I don't know how or when. The set was very cool. I really liked that. Uh, they built a big round turntable. Oh, well. Um, and it had a crisscross of railway tracks on it, basically. And as it rotated, they could push out, the set would come out, and some of the sets had double sides, and sometimes the actors would be walking in a circle as the set was moving to bring, like, a table to the front that the stage crew would put at the back. Oh, wow. So they, the they're walking, effectively staying in place while the table comes to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's r- cool. Really clever. That's cool. I, um, what else? Uh, there was a scene where, you know, at the end he jumps off the bridge. Don't ask me names. I can't remember any of their names. Yeah, yeah. The cop dude is what I said, and people cracked up at that. I was like, "Yeah, he's the cop dude, the French dude." Um, I can't remember. The he jumps either. off a bridge. Jean Valjean is all I remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this guy jumps off a bridge, and there's uh, dry ice all across to simulate a river and stuff. And I was like, "Well, this is going to be pretty dumb if he just jumps and lands on the stage because he wasn't that high." But as he jumped, the whole bridge went up into the ceiling, and it gave the appearance of him free falling. Oh, wow. Yeah, they did. And it was uh, the amount of stuff that was going up into the ceiling and coming back down was, yeah, crazy. Yeah, that, that sort of technical uh, element is huge. I, and, and I've never been involved in any sort of production that needs that. So that'd be really cool to, to see behind the scenes of that. Uh, that's cool. What else? Anything else in Christchurch? Yeah, um, stayed at, oh, I'm not sure what hotel I stayed at for one night. I don't want to get it wrong. I don't think it was Novotel, I think it was Rendezvous. Rendezvous? Whatever. Anyway, uh, I learnt that there's a pancake machine. I didn't realise that was a thing. Okay. Like, Explain it. <laughs> it. I've got a photo I'll share on the Facebook page. Basically, it's a machine with silver thing with a little tiny screen that has like a fuel tank sort of display. Yeah. And that's how much batter's in the top. And you just press OK and it squirts out two lots of batter onto this little conveyor belt and it goes along and two pancakes pop out the end. And you know... I, I sound excited, and I was when I discovered this, and uh, there were some other people there getting this big ass... Oh, so this is in the buffet. Buffet yeah, breakfast yeah. the next morning. And they're like, what's that thing? And I was like, it's a pancake machine. And they were just as excited as I was. <laughs> <laughs> 
Cool. A couple of other things. Uh, Jamaica didn't know where Hamilton was. So uh, the person behind the counter when we were checking out, oh, where are you from? I said, from Hamilton. And she just looks me dead in the eye. Little Filipino girl. Is, is that in New Zealand? <laughs> yes. And her name was Jamaica. Uh, it is Jamaica. Uh, it's in the North Island. Oh, I don't really know where anything is. Cool. Uh, you might want to work on that. Uh, yeah, working in hospitality would, would help. And the only other thing that I sort of caught my eye was, uh, I, I don't know if this is normal, probably, but, you know, I'm from the sticks here in Hamilton, so I haven't seen it before, a uh, umbrella wrapping dispenser. Oh, yeah, you stick yeah, your yeah, umbrella yeah, in it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have seen those. I've not tried one. No, um, I was like, uh, it makes sense. People probably yell at you in a minute because of all the plastic bags that uses i don't know uh yeah yeah no that's a good point that's a good point um so i've got a whole bunch of stuff you do that i did um some research on in some cases that's Um, scary yeah (laughs) i know that's just so unlike me so um the triple talak that was um just after our last uh, recording, so I, I thought I'd put that in. But did you have you ever heard of Triple Talak? No. So Talak is spelt T-A-L-A-Q. Indian Muslims can be instantly divorced by the husband saying Talak, 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 and they call that the Triple Talak. This is increasingly happening over the phone, via, via text or by WhatsApp. <laughs> What? <laughs> Particularly when the man is in a foreign country and needs a quickie divorce. <laughs> <That's>, uh... <laughs> so, so you're traveling and such... go, I'm so religious that I don't want to um, uh, be an adulterer. Um, my God doesn't like it if I uh, commit adultery. So I'll quickly ring the wife up and go, talak, talak, talak. And uh, now it's not adultery because I'm divorced. I can do whatever the hell I like. Such an Indian thing. It's, uh, oh, terrible. So, but it's it's interesting because the Prime Minister has just said, no, this is illegal. And that hasn't gone down great. In some cases it is because some of the women are understandably peed off at that. I assume the women can't do this, right? No, and, no, of course not. I they think, don't have any say. I think it would have maybe been better for the Prime Minister to go, oh, no, we're going to equalise it. And women can do it now because that would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that would have made a change, <laughs> I think. Anyway, so, uh, so you never heard about that Talak thing before? Uh, no, I no, can't no. say I've come across that in my travels. <laughs> Did you come across the uh, Sesame Street thing with Ernie and Bert? Well, I had to look that up because I'm sure, like I was like, why is Chris talking about an old story? But it's not an old story, but it's happened before. It has happened before. You're absolutely right. It happened um, like... We may have seven... mentioned it yeah, at some yeah. point. I'm not yeah. sure. So it, it was it was a thing again. Um, I it just The thing that made me mention it, so, so if you're unsure, there was an interview with one of the uh, puppeteers from the original Henson crew who worked on Ernie and Bert in the 80s, and um, somebody said to him in the interview... Uh, did you think of Ernie and Bert as gay? And he said, I always thought of them as more than just friends. Oh, yeah. And okay. that sparked it all off again. That was that was uh, the inciting incident. Because the time. original, I think the, the, the normal response is they're just Muppets or whatever they are. That's yeah. the world they live in. They're just best friends. Yeah, and it's, it's like there is no sexual orientation for Muppets. But having seen the film I talked about the other episode, ah! 
with Melissa McCarthy, and I've forgotten the name of it. Happy, the happy, happy time, place. Happy time murders. Happy time murders, which was awesome. Those 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 Muppets totally had sexual orientations, multiple sexual orientations. I do like. I think it was Trevor Noah said, "Look, they can't be. They cannot be gay, Ernie and Bert." And there's one obvious reason. If Bert was gay, that monobrow would have been sorted out a long time ago. <laughs> I don't know. That, that took me like that. Anyway. Very anyway, good. Moving on. Um, the loneliest job in the world. I want to talk about this. This is great. I, I quickly looked this. I read your little note there or... Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was just, yeah. So, teenager Aldi Nivelle, um, he was in the news this week because he was a fisherman adrift at sea alone, a teenage fisherman. I'd heard that story, and I heard that he was trying to light a lamp or something, and the ships kept passing him by yeah. until one finally... So, he, I think he missed three or four ships, and I wasn't really fussed about... I mean, you know, those stories happen all the time. Yeah, yeah. He drifted a thousand kilometres before being picked up, but what gets me was the job. The job that he has. I know, this is amazing. And, and so the job is, he works on, a, it's called a rompong. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. But it's an Indonesian, um, uh, I, I, have you seen the image of it? No, but I, of, can, ima- of, I yeah. can imagine it in my head. Yeah, it just looks like it, it, literally a hut on a little, what would be a dock if it was attached to yeah. land, yeah. right? You know, a little square thing. And uh, he lives in that um, floating platform in the sea with a hut on it, and he which traps fish below. So there's some sort of trap, I presume some sort of net or whatever they can swim in. Yeah. His job is to light the lamps at night to attract the fish. He is on a six-month contract on this rompong, and somebody comes out once a week to collect all the fish and give him supplies. Uh, it's just him, a walkie-talkie, and his Bible out there. He's been doing it since he's 16. So he's been doing this for three years. Yeah. In that time, this is the third time he's been set adrift. The furthest he's gone, obviously. And he's vowed never to do this again. What else is he gonna do? He's gonna. He, does, he knows how to set a lamp at night. You know he. <laughs> you know he's already out there, still yeah. doing it. Oh my god! But yeah, that's that's got to be a. That's got to be a mentally tough job i wonder how yeah i wonder how many people have gone like they'll have crazy people in their village that probably used to do it yeah and and when he was adrift so he had no supplies left over um he was drinking seawater which he filtered Uh, through his shirt to get rid of most of the salt because that's the best he could do yeah yeah um and um yeah, you wonder about how much madness is getting involved with that as well. That's not got to be. That's got to be not good for you. But yeah, no, I thought that was uh, that was interesting. And speaking of sea, uh, they had the big Tanzanian uh, ferry disaster. No, so they had one. It was it was in Lake Victoria, but there's different countries bordering on it, so it might not have been Tanzania last time. Okay, they had the biggest one in the world. I think it was like 900 dead or 600 dead or something. Right. Yeah. Um, a it's while back, massive. a few years ago. So they'd put in new rules. But this is uh, this one at, at the time that I made the notes, it was 130 uh, confirmed dead. I don't know. That might have changed by now. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Lake Victoria's a big lake. You know, they're going from island to island. All these people are on there. It was overcrowded. What got me is it was within meters of the dock when people, when it capsized. It, oh. it was coming up to the <laughs> okay. dock, yeah. and everybody ran to one side, and it capsized. Yep, that'll, that'll do it. And I'm like, but 
it's metres from the dock. How can 130 people die? And then I, I had, because I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, because I'm like, that's terrible. I used to go around always thinking about what could happen right now that would make me die and, and making sure that I would be smart enough not to be that dumb. I mean, everyone's done that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking, how would you how would you prepare for that? Um, obviously, the first thing is if you're an African country or or any um, you know, third world country, let's call it, uh, and it's an overcrowded ferry, don't go. Uh, don't get <laughs> yeah, on. Okay. I'll go with the midnight one when nobody's on it. That's cool. Um, but the the thing is, I once was in a uh, triathlon thing. It was the one they do here around uh, Hamilton. Every few years, it's like a corporate triathlon. I forget what okay. they call it. And so, I had to do the swim, yeah, sw- swim, cycle, uh, swim, cycle, and run. Yeah. And we started with the swim, and I was the very first. You know, we were. Uh, it's a three of us, so they go. I go around, do the three. Then the next guy goes around, does the three, and the third one goes. Oh, around, okay. Does yeah, the three. yeah. But, so I was in the the first group. I'm like to try and get us ahead. Ah, uh, the swim just killed me, man. We had 50 or 100 people we just r- jump into the river, Oh yeah, at the Waikato River, and we jump in and we swim down a bit, and then we get to the dock, and all those legs and everybody yep. kicking and getting pummeled, getting kicked in the face, yep. because everybody's so close, I swam right out away from it, because I was actually panicking a bit, and then almost missed the dock because the river was swimming me down. Um, it was not good. So can you imagine... 400 people, they think. We're up to 400 people on that boat. I think... Um, All flipping into the water at one time, it would be... The bottom, the ones on the closest to the rail would technically just be crushed. Like, everyone would fall on top of them as well. Yeah, that's, true. That, I think that's still how a lot of it would happen. So, yeah. Um, anyway, that's, I know terrible that's not new, a great thing to talk terrible about. Terrible news story. Yeah, it's terrible. And sorry to hear about that, Tanzanians. Uh, so don't catch a uh, ferry in a third world country, I think, is the uh, life lesson from that story. Maybe. Yeah. I love this uh, this book that's being published. I don't have the name of the book here, um, but I've, I've written down, what if Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin got <laughs> stranded on the moon? They were the first guys to go to the moon. Now, right. now this is probably because that new movie's coming out with Ryan Gosling playing uh, Neil Armstrong. Buzz yeah. Aldrin plays one of them. It's a really good-looking trailer for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Oh, that might have hit the news because of the confluence, but I don't think that's the reason this book has come out because it's not just about them. No, no, no. Uh, yep. the, book, the, book's been, yeah, the book's been publicized quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so anyway, this book um, is a series of letters, speeches, and press releases to be used in case various things didn't work. Oh, okay, so sorry, different. There's yeah, a, there's, totally sorry, different. Sorry, because Buzz Aldrin, I think, or Neil Armstrong, one of the two, has a book that's just come out as well. Oh, right, about right, the moon, yeah. No, moon. this is quite different. Because it's got um, Eisenhower wrote a letter of uh, apology for the Normandy landings falling apart. Oh, right. And he wrote it the night before, just in case. Yeah. And uh, and he carried it with him for months and months afterwards, and then it was put aside. So that's in the book. Oh. So there's all these... It's like an alternate history yeah, thing, yeah. and it's really cool. So I've got here um, the letter that... Because um, it was Richard Nixon was in the White House uh, when um, Buzz Aldrin and... and um, What's his name goes up? Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. And, and the other guy that no one remembers the name of. Okay, so um, this is what he was going to say uh, in, in, um, in his speech. If they got stranded and on the moon. It says, in event of a moon disaster, and at the bottom of the speech it says a few things that has to be done. So I'll read the whole lot, but I'll read it from the beginning. Okay. 
Fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery, but they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. Can you imagine? So these guys are stuck on the moon and there's no way of getting back. This is what the talk... Oh, my God. It'd be, anyway, sc- it'd be terrible. Because be at some point, NASA would be like, okay, we're going to turn the radio off now. Yeah. These two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal, the search for truth and understanding. They will be mourned by their families and friends. They will be mourned by their nation. They will be mourned by the people of the world. They will be mourned by a mother earth that dared send two of her sons into the unknown. In their exploration, they stirred the people of the world to feel as one. In their sacrifice, they bind more tightly the brotherhood of man. In ancient days, men looked to the stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, we do much the same. But our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood. Others will follow and surely find their way home. Man's search will not be denied. But these men were the first, and they will remain the foremost in our hearts. For every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. And then it's got here. <clears throat> so that's the speed. Yeah. And prior to the president's statement, president should telephone each of the widows-to-be. Widows-to-be, that's such a terrible... Oh. Um, after the president's statement, at the point when NASA ends communication with the men, a clergyman should adopt the same procedure as burial at sea, commending their souls to the deepest of the deep, concluding with the Lord's Prayer. Wow. Yeah, that's like, epic. Like, just, oh, wow. Luckily, uh, none of that had to happen. No, exactly. But, yeah, so um, the guy that wrote the book, and I'm sorry I haven't got the details here, um, he... Uh, that was the first letter he came across, or he'd come across that at some point. Went, wow! And then he just found he just went around finding all these other things over a period of years, and then he's just publishing it in a book. So I think it sounds sounds interesting, sounds intriguing, right? Hey, talking about space, the very first space tourist has actually been signed up and is all ready to go. Um, so Elon Musk has. The, uh, what's he called? Japanese billionaire Yusaku Maizawa. He's signing up to be the first lunar tourist. Um, not sure he's worth $5.4 billion. He's going to be ferried to the moon by Elon Musk in 2023 for an undisclosed sum. So, uh, yep, apparently this guy's a bit zany and a bit strange. But uh, the only reason. What, Elon Musk or the other guy? <laughs> it's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> But uh, he was uh, the reason I put this in here is because uh, Yuzaku was the guy that pulled seventy-two million dollars on the uh, buyout of the New Zealand firm Stretch Sense that were going to make the uh, weird morph suits that could uh, we talked about a while ago. So Stretch, right. yep. So uh, they decided to make their own thing with cameras instead of a suit that you can put on to that's get the right. measurements. So that's that guy. So he can't afford his. Uh, $72 million buyout for a New Zealand company, but he can afford the undisclosed sum for Elon Musk to uh, get all happy. Yeah, and you know you know that would um, be a lot more. <laughs> a lot more. Bound to. Looking forward to uh, seeing how that plays out in the future. Cool. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm hoping you haven't read this story yet. 
All right. The school bus driver in Indiana <clears throat> faces felony charges. Have you no. read that? No. no. Okay, okay. Go. So this uh, female, she's a, uh African-American female bus driver, and she this is does not fired. This and does not sound like it's starting well. And she has been fired um, and is facing felony charges. Why? What do you think that might... What, what do you she think might told a child to sit down or... I don't know. Something it'd be something stupid. I you'll never guess, but um, I don't think you'll guess. It is it is legit, and she should be. I don't, I've seen the evidence. Okay, cool. Go. What is it? She got the kids to drive the bus. <laughs> she had eleven year olds driving the bus, and one of the um, they were taking turns driving the bus, and she's standing there going, "Okay, right now, change gear and do all this." I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, if you some of the kids were were um were filming it and put it on Twitter, and if, yeah, um, parents were not impressed. I mean, <laughs> if your eleven year old isn't driving a bus by eleven, are you really parenting properly? I've got a year, I've got another year to go until I have to source a bus for my daughter. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I love um, Trevor Noah had a thing on it as well And he's like I don't see what the problem is They didn't crash the bus How many buses have you heard This bus, school bus crashes all the time How many were driven by 11 year olds None of them There you go Rest my case Talking about crazy driving I was going to send you a link yesterday <coughs> There was a, There's a railway crossing in Natawahia And the barrier arms came down And a huge petrol tanker decided to go in the barriers what yeah look i mean okay i i i can see the maybe i can get away with this if i'm on a motorbike or a nippy little car you know and i'm like oh they're just coming down i can i can do it i have a petrol tanker so there's so there's video of it (laughs) 10 seconds later the train comes barreling through at full speed now this is legit you know yeah, legit as, because this has got this could have been one of New Zealand's worst disasters ever, because it's the railway crossing right next to BP petrol station, which has fuel tanks in the ground right next to where the truck would have hit. The reason I say is this is legit because there was that story not so long ago of those guys that um, did did the the filming thing where they they filmed. They're crossing, they filmed the thing, they filmed a truck going through it, and then they spliced it together so it looked like the truck was going through after the barrier arms come down. No, no, this is this is legit. Okay. So the, right. the guy no longer works for Lynn Fox. He got fired. The video got posted to the New Zealand Fuel Tankers Facebook page because there's a Facebook page for everything these days. And uh, like the Narawahia fire chief came in and he said, "This, you know, that's probably what we would have been known for because, I don't know, a couple of hundred people may have died. Holy! Truck drivers. I mean, the professionals. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to follow that guy around forever now. Oh my god! But anyway, his license for life. He should do. So I don't know what else they're uh, investigating there. Um, so yeah, I don't know if there's much else I wanted to talk about. I no, we've we've got the last, hopefully, the last day of shooting uh, later this afternoon evening for Blink. The yeah, short it, will, film. it will be the last day of. Uh, you say shooting that. For Blink. You say that. 
<laughs> oh, of course, uh, it will be because I'm there, and uh, he's you, gonna, didn't, he's you keep, didn't have me there. He's going to keep yelling out the time, which helps for someone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really doing much to be honest. Um, I don't know if I'm helping, but but it's cool. I'll we, be there. We're two episodes away from the 200th episode. Chris did a Facebook post uh, asking for some audio. Jamie's already sent his through. Yes, thanks, Jamie. Sure. I haven't listened to it yet. But, no, um, I, I friended him on Facebook, so I've got that audio, which helps. Uh, I'm not relying <laughs> yeah, on someone else. Sam's the one that does all the work around here. So if you want, uh, we're going we're gonna to splice them into the 200th episode. The 200th episode may be a bit longer than normal. I have no idea what we're doing. Uh, uh, yeah, because we're planning well like that. <laughs> it's only a couple of weeks away. Uh, but yeah, if you want to... Uh, Give some audio. Uh, you can do it on our Facebook page. You can tweet us. Or whatever. email us, the Chris and Sam podcast at gmail.com. Send us through some audio. Um, yeah, so what we'd like is, uh, where, in, where in the world are you? Would, yes. Would be good. Give us a shout um, out. Why you listen. Um, <laughs> and maybe your favorite moment or um, favorite Just, story or something. Yeah. Uh, Jamie's favorite is when Chris is drunk. <laughs> so he has a lot of episodes that he likes. <laughs> I know. So uh, I'm not doing too bad for being hungover today, I must say. All right. Very good. So, um, And I'll be catching up with Jamie in a couple of weeks' time, th- four weeks' time maybe, uh, in Noosa. So our film um, Bloody Late Shift is playing at the Noosa International Film Festival. If you want to be there, I'm going to have a beer with Jamie. Um, but look, uh, yeah. all, I always look forward to the stories that come back from a trip, so uh, I'm sure there'll be many from that one. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I I think the high desert last year will be hard to beat with the uh, three uh, things of uh, prostitution, fireworks, and I forgot what the third thing was, but it wasn't as exciting as prostitution and fireworks being the main three uh, business oh, things yeah. in that town that we're staying in. That's right. What's that's this right. town known for? prostitution, fireworks, and something, something else. <laughs> so it should be good. Uh, yeah, there we go. That's the end of the episode. My name's Sam. I'm Chris. See ya. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to subscribe and catch you next week. Don't forget to tell your friends.